Amen. Well, please grab a seat. Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to see so many people. It is so good. Special welcome if it's your first time with us this morning, if you're watching for the first time, if you're in the building for the first time. I know there's people that have moved to sail throughout the year that maybe have joined us online for, for the most of the year and have uh, begun to join us in person. Uh, and it's so good to uh, have you with us this morning. Let me add to Tom's welcome. Uh, can I also uh, encourage you with the, the carols event next Sunday uh, in the evening on the lawn. It's going to be great weather, no wind, no mozzies, no flies. I've already checked. They don't exist in sale. I've never, never seen a windy day. Never seen mozzies. No. Anyone seen any wind or mozzies lately? Put those hands down. Put those hands down. Rebuke that in Jesus' name. No, it's so good. I'm going to stand up. I said I'd stand up here. Oop. Very cool. And how many days till Christmas? Is there any kids that are counting down? Zach, how many days? 13 days. Is that right? Yeah, we could do Christmas on the 26th. I'm happy with that. Yep. 12. 12 days of Christmas. So does that mean we get a partridge today? Yeah. In a pear tree. Does the partridge each eat the pears or? Or is it like a partridge pear stew dessert thing? Too dark? Anyway. <laughs> it's good to be back. Oh man, tell you, tell you, telling jokes on, on a camera is not as fun as it, what it looks. Um, I mean, the camera guys, Ben and John, are, are great to work with, but they're also very quiet, um, which I suppose they have to be, otherwise it'd be interesting if they were just talking to me back, but um, it's good to have people back. Um, I'm going to preach from Luke chapter 2 this morning. If you've got your Bibles, uh, while I'm babbling on up here, find your Bibles, find your phones, flick them open to Luke chapter 2. We're going to do uh, the next couple of uh, messages in the Christmas story, in the, in, the, uh, in the Gospels, looking at some of the events, some of the things that happened around the Christmas time. And I'm going to look at a couple of verses in Luke chapter 2, because it's just such a great time of the year, such a great time to reflect on Christmas, on Jesus, on the birth. Uh, I know it's stories that so many of us have heard so many times, um, and I'm the same, but there's just so much encouragement um, to be had from the story of Jesus. Would you agree? Yeah, some of us, but the rest of us, not so much. All right, Luke chapter 2, here we go. Verses 1 to 7. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. God, this morning as we come around your word, God, we pray that you would bring so much encouragement to us 
God, that you would breathe life into us. You would help us to see Jesus afresh this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday, um, Alana and I and the boys were in Altona, on the other side of Melbourne, on the beach for, for a little Christmas party. Um, and it was a great time, maybe got a little bit too much sun. Um, but one of the things, of course, if you go to a Christmas party, this was um, the, the Sea Home Boat Club Christmas party, annual Christmas party. Um, and one of the things that happens at these Christmas parties, of course, is who comes? Who comes to a Christmas party? Not just me, Santa, yeah. And so Santa comes to this Christmas party, and, and of course, when you grow, um, you see Santa grow through the years. He ages, sometimes he doesn't age, um, but this time Santa came, and he, he didn't come in his sleigh, he came on the back of a ute, and he wasn't wearing shoes, he was wearing thongs, and I just thought, that wasn't what I was expecting, I was expecting a nice sleigh to come in with big black boots, but it was a hot day, it was very sunny, so maybe uh, he chose to wear thongs instead, it was just, it took me a little by surprise, um, the, the state of Santa, it was a little unexpected for me, I, I guess for the, for the kids though, that's maybe what they expected, um, you know, maybe Santa got some new thongs at the North Pole. Maybe they were on clearance sale. I imagine they would have a lot of clearance sales on, on thongs at the North Pole. Um, and so maybe he got some cheap throughout the year and, and, and whacked them on and um, they're suitable for, for an Australian Christmas. It was a little unexpected, but um, the kids had a, had a, had a ball and um, it was a fun time. I think when we come to the Christmas story, you know, there's a lot of bits of the story that are very unexpected, that are very, you, if, especially if you were there, you probably wouldn't recognise what was happening. But even as we look back uh, and see people's response and see what happens, there's a lot of unexpected details and unexpected things that happen in the Christmas story. Um, but of course we know they were not unexpected from God. They were not um, just happenstance. They didn't just... Uh, work out that way. They were very um, detailed, planned, controlled by God to demonstrate something of his grace, something of his character towards us. And so this morning I want to have a look at some of these little details and some of these things that happened uh, on that very first Christmas morning, night, um, day, and, and what God might share to us through it. Um, the first is that, or the first thing I just want to mention quickly is that, uh, you know, this this little passage sets us up um, to note that this is a real event in history. You know, in verse 1 it says, those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, the first registration, um, when Cornelius was the governor of Syria. You know, it sort of sets us up for, to understand that this was not just some mythical event. This is not just some um, tradition that's passed on of, of no substance, but this was a real event that took place at a real time in a real location. Um, it'd be like if we said, um, when Scott Morrison was the, the Prime Minister of Australia, coronavirus happened in 2020. It's like giving it some, some date. I mean, they didn't have the 0 BC calendar set up then, so they didn't say in the year 0 BC, or, or I'm not sure if it was 0 BC actually, but whenever it was, um, AD, zero, was there a 0 BC and a 0 AD? They, they're the same year. 
yeah, that would have been confusing for them, I imagine, when they were writing that down. It's like, do we call this 0BC or 0A? They wouldn't have written it down. They would have, like, carved it in stone. No. <laughs> Sorry. I'm in a funny mood this morning. Where was I going? It was a real event. It was a real event. It was a real event in time. This is not just something that's made up. It was a real event. It was prophesied hundreds of years earlier. Let's have a look at this. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 and 3 uh, talks about this birth and some of the details in it. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphrath, uh, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, who is coming forth, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall... Give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. So this prophecy, hundreds of years earlier, I mean, and there's more prophecies than this, this is just one of, of many, tells us um, different details. And in particular, this one tells us that the birth is to take place in the little town, the little unknown place of Bethlehem. And if we look back at the story in Luke chapter 2, we see that the first problem with God bringing Jesus into the world, bringing the Messiah in, is that Mary and Joseph are like over 100 kilometers away from Bethlehem. And so to, to fulfill all the details of this prophecy and to fulfill the plan that he has, um, there's a problem. Mary and Joseph are not where they're supposed to be. So what does God do? You might think God might send just an angel or a messenger or send Mary a dream saying, hey, psst, Mary, head down the road to Bethlehem because that's where Jesus needs to be born. But God doesn't do that. What does God do? Instead, he puts this idea in the heart of Caesar, the Caesar of the day to say, you know what we need to do today, this year, is call a census. Go home, everybody. Everybody, the whole world is this, in this uh, space, of, this place of disruption so can, everyone can head back to their own towns and villages and places of where their family's from, so they can be counted and take up a census. The whole world is this disrupted, so this little detail of Jesus' birth can take place. I'm sure Mary and Joseph didn't realise the purpose in that census, the purpose in that disruption. Probably complaining the whole time, in fact, on the way, on that journey of over 100 kilometres, where they weren't driving on the, the Monash. I mean, we had a lot of complaints yesterday on the way home, from the boys, and we're driving at 110 clicks, and, you know, you can get home in a couple of hours. I mean, these, these guys travelling on the donkey, Mary pregnant, I'm sure there would have been a lot of, oh, man, that's Caesar. What the, was he thinking? Why, why do we have to go back to Bethlehem? I mean, this is such an inconvenient time. This is so ridiculous. Why couldn't he count us and just email the results? You know, why couldn't he think of something else? A QR code or something, surely. They could have thought of something. QR rock. But God, you know, puts this idea in the heart of Caesar Augustus to, to do this thing, and I'm sure that Mary and Joseph didn't even realise what was happening and what the purpose in it was. And, you know, I think that happens so often in our lives, doesn't it? There's things, there's disruptions in our life, and we think, man, this is just so annoying. The government, my mother-in-law, my sister, my kids, my whatever it is, the person, my boss, whoever, whatever, we think, man... They just don't know what they're doing. They just don't have any care or concern for me, for my life. But God is in the details. God is in the details of everything that happens, good and bad, to work something of his purpose and his plan. 
God was not um, losing control in this moment when the Caesar called the census, but God was in complete control. I'm sure at the time it didn't seem like everything was in complete control, but in Galilee, God puts this idea in the heart of the Caesar to call a census, to move just two people to Bethlehem. The whole world is disrupted for these two people to move, displaying his sovereignty over two seemingly insignificant people, Mary and Joseph. Who would have thought that that would have been needed just for God to to move these two people? You know, God has control over the big things, the big decisions that big powerful governments and, and people make that affect our lives. God is in control and he's working the small details out. He has a plan in it. He has a purpose in it. He is the God of the known and the unknown. God knows it all. He knows you. He knows me. And he knows what we need. And more importantly, he knows that his plan and his design is in place. And so the next time we find ourselves in a season or a place of disruption, a season or a place where things are, oh, this is not what I would do. This is not how I would have done it. Moving my pregnant wife 100 kilometres on a donkey just to be counted. This seems a bit annoying. God is in the details. God has a plan. God has control. He knows his plan. He knows his design. You know, I love design. I love design. We're in the process of, of as you know, I'm sort of in an endless process of renovations and, and doing building works. Um, and if you've driven past our place... Uh, recently, you would notice that uh, we're sponsoring, sponsoring? Bunnings is sponsoring us. You know, the house just basically says Bunnings. Um, literally, it's just blue wrap that says Bunnings. Um, I'm not saying we're buying all the stuff from Bunnings. I'm just saying that's what you read when you go past our house. It doesn't have a number. It's just Bunnings. A blue version that doesn't sell anything. Um, but I love the design, I love the, the concept stage where you're thinking, what could, what could we do here? Uh, where could we put a door? Uh, where could we put a window? Where could we put a floor? Where could we put a roof? You know, all those important parts of a, of a house, you know, the, the dreaming, the concept, the detail, the planning. Um, and sometimes, uh, sometimes the dreams and the plans and the ideas that I have and, and that we have a, a little maybe outside the box um, more, more than that, I love when the plans come, come out, when, when we get to build it and we get to put it in the site. That's what I was sort of thinking about. You know, that's amazing. Uh, and to see the, the design come to fruition, uh, the thing that you've been seeing and dreaming about come into reality. You know, I can imagine God on this, on this day when Jesus was born, just this master plan, this master design of seeing this, these details worked out, this plan come to fruition. He sees the design and how much joy it brings to him. Bethlehem, he's in the right place. Mary, this this unknown character. You know, the detail of this this birth was part of a much bigger plan of God's. There was no fate involved in Jesus' birth. There was no mistake. There was no happenstance. We could look at the birth of Jesus and the events surrounding it and think it was just what happened. It was just what they had to do. They had to go to Bethlehem. I mean, it's just coincidence that that happened. There was no design or plan in it. It, was just, it just unfolded that way. And, and we can live the same way, can't we? We can live, well, there's no design or plan in my life. It's just, 
I'm just here by fate. It's just my life has unfolded this way and ta-da, I'm here. Like, there's no plan. God has no plan for my life. He has no purpose in the details of my life. But God has plan and purpose in the details of our life. He plans and he designs. It could have unfolded anyway, but it unfolded this particular way because it was just the way he planned. And why was it this way? Why was it this plan? What was the purpose in it? Especially in the coming to Bethlehem, going to this, I mean, it says an inn, but was it, it probably was more likely like a family home, a relative, and, and an inn was just another, room, another word for, for room. So he goes, they go to a family or relative's house and there's no room for them. The guest, as in the guest room that would normally be set aside for family that comes to town is, is already occupied because everyone's come back to, to their hometowns. And so when everyone comes back, it's like, well, we've got no room in the family home anymore, so here we go. You're in the, the main sort of animal living quarters and there's the manger. You can have your baby there. What was the purpose in all this design? 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says... For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, um, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And Mark 10, verse 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This birth, the birth of Jesus, points to the grace that he is destined to bring into this world. It points to this idea that he is the servant of all, the saviour of all, the redeemer, the king of creation, created and then subject, subjected to be killed by his creation. And not just because the creation has outsmarted God, but because that's his design and his purpose all along. An incredible demonstration of love and grace. Incredible. Luke 2, let's read the last two verses again. While they were there, there came time for her birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It wasn't that there was no room. It was just that there was an unexpected room for them. I mean, they made room for Mary and Joseph. I mean, it says that there was no room, but they still came in, so there must have been physical room, obviously maybe no social distancing, but there was room in the house. There was room for them. It was just unexpected. It wasn't what you would think you would give to a pregnant woman in the throes of labour to give birth to her first child. The room was not as expected. And I think this is exactly the way God's grace comes to us in an unexpected way. Yes, unexpected in the sense that Jesus was born in a manger to a teenager in a little town called Bethlehem. But I think also unexpected in the sense that it comes into our life when we're not ready, when we don't have the guest room perfectly made up, when we don't have the house and everything in order in our life. God's grace comes in that moment he comes knocking on the, on the door when it's like, it's chaos in here, Jesus. I mean, you should see the place. There's like horses and cows and sheep. And I mean, there's a little boy playing drums. I mean, 
It's crazy in here. It is messy. There's a lot going on. I don't know if this is the best time for you to enter. Just wait until I've got the room. No, Jesus comes in that unexpected moment when life is not put together, when the house is not tidy, when our life is messy. In that unexpected moment, Jesus comes with his grace. He comes to bring order to chaos, to bring peace amongst the mess. This is the way our God works. He designs, he plans, he is sovereign and he is full of grace. You are not here, you're not just some product of fate, of happenstance, but you are perfectly designed by the creator. And he comes into your life, he comes today. Whether you're ready or not for him, he comes extending his grace. No matter the state of your heart, of your life, of your mind, of what's going on in your circumstance, God comes with his grace and says, I'm here and I'm willing to work with you. I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to lay my life down for you, to forgive you, to redeem you. He doesn't wait for the expected time, but he comes in an unexpected time. When there seems like there is no hope or no reason or no purpose, he comes in an unexpected way, but it's all a part of his great plan. You know, your life might have taken some unexpected turns, maybe caused by yourself, maybe caused by others. But it wasn't unexpected by God. He doesn't cause the hard times, but he anticipates them and he uses them for his purpose and he's for his glory. Romans 8, 28, we know this. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He knows you. He designed you. And he has his hand in every detail of your life for the purpose of his grace. He knows where you've been. He knows where you're going. He knows the start. He knows the end. He knows it all. So the question isn't, can we trust him, but do we trust him? Do we surrender to his grace and let him have his way in our life? Or do we just keep that door shut and say, we're full. I'm full. I'm not ready. The guest room is just not made up like it should be. There's too much mess in here. There's, I've just got to sort some things out first. Just got to make some room first. Then you can come back, Jesus. I think for a lot of us this year especially, there's, it's maybe caused some mess and chaos in our own hearts, in our own walk with Jesus in different unexpected ways. But Jesus stays the same. Jesus comes to us again and says, I'm here with my grace. I'm here with my love. I'm here with my purpose for your life. Will you let me in? Will you give me room in your life? He isn't looking for somewhere perfect to lay his head. He makes things perfect by his presence. He brings order to the chaos. He brings redemption to the broken. And it's what he wants to do in our life. I'm going to invite the team to come back up. And I want to pray for you this morning. 
especially for those this morning that are hearing this message and thinking, Brad, that's right where I'm at. I feel like there's just so much chaos, there's so much mess in my life, there's so much unexpected turns, moments, and I've just, I think, I can't welcome Jesus in at the moment because it's too messy, it's too chaotic, it's just not how it should be. It's not how I planned it. It's how God planned it. It's how God has designed. And he's ready with his grace. He reaches out his hand and says, I want to come. I want to work with you. I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to bring my grace into your life. I want to invite you to stand just where you are. Just as we sing this last song, We posture our hearts to, towards God again. Maybe if you just close your eyes. And if this is you this morning, whether you're in this place or you're at home, I just want you to lift your hands and surrender. Just say, God, this is me. I need to surrender again. Doesn't mean you're not saved. Doesn't mean you've fallen off the off the wagon. It just means. You're in a place where you're saying, God, I just need to surrender afresh to you this morning. I need you to have my life. I need to let you in. Things feel chaotic. Things feel messy. Just lift your hands where you are. God, this morning you see our hearts. You see where we're at. You see the people this morning that are surrendering their hearts, their lives to you again. God, you know the state of all our lives. And God, I thank you that you are a God full of grace, full of unconditional love. God, you turn, you come into our lives when we don't deserve it, when things are messy. And so God, we pray that you would do that again. This morning, you would come into the hearts of every person this morning that's here, that's watching, that hears this message. God, and you would turn and use our lives for your purpose. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of the details. Nothing escapes your sight. No one's here by fate, but they're here by your design and your plan for your grace, for your purpose. Help us to know that today. Help us to trust you with our lives, with every part of it. We love you this morning, God. We thank you for your, for your presence in this place. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, make sure you grab a flyer for the Carols on the Lawn event. That's happening next Sunday. Hand that out, put it in a letterbox of your neighbour, tell them about it, get registered for it. Um, have a great week. See you next Sunday.